What's happening? Welcome to season two of Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I'm your host, Yomi Shode, and we have a whole new set of poets and are still focusing on what it means to be black, British, and a poet or spoken word artist. If you're interested in getting a greater insight into the journeys of some of your faves, then join us and keep listening. Saying that, if you do like what you're hearing, Remember to subscribe wherever you usually listen to your podcasts and rate us and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. All right, we're back in for part two of our conversation. This episode, Josephine Reality Rollins and Adrian B. Earl share with me what it is really like to navigate the poetry scene as a poet with disabilities or specific access needs. It's like, yeah, I heard that line in Black Dog and I was just like, yeah, no reason, just years of headaches. No reason that they can find. Um, But the first thing that I did when, like, it had, I think it was this, I can't remember the gig, I've pretty much blanked it now. But basically it was, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. Yeah, yeah, I'm good. I get on stage, blank. Mm. And this is a feature set. Yeah. this This is no open mic stuff. I've got 20 minutes and... I've never written anything. It's gone. Just all gone. Mm. Like, I, if you'd asked me that moment where I lived, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. Mm-hmm. My brain was just empty. And I was like, I can't have that happening again. And it was actually, um, searching my wife, uh, Nita, um, she thought, she said, it's like, why do you put so much pressure to remember stuff? I was like, well, it's, it's, you, it's what you do, isn't it? It's what you mm-hmm. know. It's like, it's what you do. You, are saying it's what you do and you're settling with that. And I was like, you know what? That's a good point, actually. I don't do that with anything else. I ain't going to do it with this. So then I started turning up to gigs with my book. And at first I'd be cheeky with it. I'd be like, oh, this is what I want you to buy. So I might as well read from it. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But after a while, it was like, it's actually really good. It's like, I I don't need to... Why should I have to memorize all this stuff? I can read and I can read and I can make the dramatic reading a thing. Like they will literally pay actors to just read a script in front of an audience and everybody will clap. You get authors that they, they just sit in a bookshop and they're like, they'll just read a chunk for their book and everybody will perform. But us poets, we've got to remember like 10 minutes worth of material. We've got to relive and have that living rent free in our brains for all of that time. Nah, fam. We got you, sold out. <laughs> you two, you two are amazing because the absolute opposite of that spectrum is reality. Because I don't <laughs> think <laughs> you know where I'm getting it. This is okay. You know where I'm going. I don't think in the history of us just knowing each other, of me just watching her just do her thing. Maybe it's just the South London coming out of her like through and through. That's the true fighter in this whole situation. I don't recall ever witnessing her holding paper, <laughs> holding like a book. Read I've never witnessed. I've never witnessed. I've never witnessed reality holding a piece of paper, a book, reading from it and performing. In fact, for me, it would be one of the strangest things I think I'd ever see. And that's just me speaking because I just feel like, and and, and even when we talk about this, because I know we've spoken about this from time, and I'm just like, listen. Fam, why are you causing yourself stress like this? Just just hold this situation. But I think there's something deeper that goes into the into the um 
the fight of yeah. the memorizing. It's a different thing. And it's not my experience to talk on. Do you see what I mean? Like yeah. in terms of imagine if such a pain that, that you're speaking on takes of you. You almost don't want it to take everything. But this is my assumption in just thinking you wouldn't want something to consume you so, so. So I was like, if this is one thing that I can have, memorizing this, let it be this. But that's just my thoughts. But we've never actually spoken about this. Wonder, do you mind just talking on it a bit? Because yeah, I, no. I mean, you know, for me, just generally, I just don't like reading. So when I read, I feel uncomfortable. And I've had people say, yeah, but the words are there. I feel uncomfortable. For me, it's unnatural. It doesn't, it just doesn't vibe right with me. Mm. So that's why I struggled with it for so long. Mm. Um, but now I've had to, sometimes you, you, you just got to know your limits. And I've, 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 I've had to give it up because I just, I can't. But even sometimes with the fatigue, even when I've got words in front of me, because I can't really concentrate, even, and they're all there, I can still blunder. Even though, mm. you know, I'm reading word for word, but I can't focus. Mm. So I can read it and still just completely mess it up. <laughs> so <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's six of one, half a dozen of another for me. It's a bit, yeah, it's a bit of a mad one. But yeah, the, the wanting to maintain the memory is because I just don't like reading it. I feel uncomfortable, like holding a paper and that just makes me twice as nervous. Mm. <laughs> You know, it's funny, the more we're talking about this, the more I'm realizing like a good 90% of the things I do that are like the signature things that I do are actually just to avoid other stuff that I can't do. <laughs> 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 like, I'm not, I'm not. You do. I've even, sorry to cut you, like even when I've with dancers, there's been times where I've had to give up my words to dancers because... I just know at that time and moment, I can't take it on. Yeah. I can't take it on. And um, and which I'm happy for, because in that sense, I don't have an issue with people performing my work. Mm. Yeah. Um, so that's something I'm comfortable with, where I know with some other people, it's like, well, you know, it's my work. I want to, um, do, do you know what I mean? I'm not territorial like that. So it's not an issue for me. I, I, I don't mind. And for that, I am thankful, because especially, you know, with the health issues, I've had to learn to do that. And even with the reading, I've had to learn to like, you know what? And I just need the paper, even though I'm still uncomfortable with it. Um, but that's just for me personally. I just, I just don't like, I just don't like to read, but so, you know, I'm having to get with it. I am. Can we, can we talk a bit about the scene in, in relation to just everything that you both shared? I I I know how fast this scene can move. There's a new writer every other week, every every month or whatever it is. There's like a wave of new writers that come all the time, right? And it's very very easy. Consistency is a real big part of it. I feel sometimes, like in terms of the performance kind of scene, especially right. And just going off of what you both described. If there are when there are days where the body is not just can't move, days where the body just can't move, days where the pain is the pain is so severe that you can't even write, this can take. I don't. I can't speak on how long it can take. But do you ever can do you ever think about just the the 
just this scene and how this scene moves and what you're missing out on. Do you, as have you felt left out of particular parts of it? Have you felt like there's been generations of writers that, what are your thoughts? Does that cross your mind at all? How, where do you place that at all? I don't know. For me, I'd have to admit, I, I think I'm, I'm well out of sync with the scene in terms mm. of being out, going to, you know, events, um, um, I guess I'm part kind of linked via you, <laughs> through you, <laughs> you know. But um, generally, um, yeah, I, I I don't really go. I don't have the energy. I don't really go to a lot of events and stuff. Mm. Well, I would say hardly any now, to be fair. So um, yeah, I'm de- for me, I'm definitely out of sync with what's going on out there, and because you know, I'm not an online person, mm. so it's not even like I I keep up in that way because I'm. I'm, I'm you're really, really terrible social media. I'm like, yeah, I'm like a ghost. So, I'm, you know, I don't hear about stuff. I don't know what's going on. It, You know, if I'm hearing about anything, it's via you or via mm. Other than that, um, although I'm, it's strange because I'm still doing what I'm doing, I guess, in different capacities. So although I'm not on the scene, I've been doing, like you say, a lot of things with dancers. I've done a lot of stuff with Sadler's Wells. Yeah. Had stuff programmed there and stuff. So I guess outside of the scene, I'm still doing stuff. But then saying that also, even while quote, you know, while I was on the scene, I was, I think I was never fully engrossed in it because a lot of the work and the performances I did, oddly enough, was outside of the scene. Yeah. Even when I was in the the scene, so to speak, if you know what I mean. Um, a lot of the stuff I did was, yeah, it was it was outside work. It was things like I was doing like the Caribbean weekend, uh, doing stuff at NHS, you know, um, you know, performing at law firm events. So it was it was quite strange actually for me because um, a lot of the booked work I got was more out of the scene than it was in. In, yeah. yeah. So, I mean, you know, although I have done things like Poet in the City, you know, I did things for apples and snakes back in the day and stuff like that. But um, I would say the majority of my bookings were out of the scene than in it. Thank you. Um, Adrian, how about you? How do you feel about this? I have thoughts. The whole idea of the scene is a really, is a really weird one for me because... We start, you've got to kind of be open about which one. Right? So I'm a, I'm a Brummie. So up in the Midlands, the, half of the country thinks it's part of the North, and the other part of the country thinks it's part of the South. And we're in the middle going, we're, we're not with either of your... Go away. Um, <laughs> like, we, we've, got a really, we've got a really, really beautiful scene. We've got a really, really beautiful scene. Um, but it is based on or it was for a really long time, based on an old guard of backroom, pub, pub backrooms and stand-up poets and, you know, the bits before punk shows or rap shows. Like, there was... The poets were the opening act. Yeah. And it took a kind of couple of publishers and a few kind of legendary, a few legendary members actually, one of, um, one of 
uh, which is um, is a uh, uh, late friend Leon, um, who um, yeah, who, who passed away uh, not that long ago. Um, who who created the legendary night howl, which was pretty much Birmingham's first flagship night. And again, even then, that was a uh, upstairs at the black uh, uh, the dark horse in. Um, you know, Kings Heath, it was a proper student pub, but it's it was the kind of place where everyone came through. It became the the location spot to yeah. kind of go to. And he was unafraid to kind of make that happen. He would reach out to poets that you'd you'd read their books and you'd go to a book signing and all of a sudden they'd just be there because he'd been like, Look, this is what I do, this is the space that I've made. Come through, mm. come say hi. Like I would like one of my first gigs back um back on the mic after like a really, really long chunk of my illness was a, was a how where mm. I'd been I'd gone from, you know, headline slots to months in hospital to who are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Real quick, because that's how yeah. it works. And mm. and Le- but Leon didn't forget. And he was like, Yeah, of course. Yeah, of course. I was like, let's let's see, I'd love to see what your new work is. Mm. You know, standing up on stage and having to say, "If I'm shaking, it's not because of nerves; it's because I'm I've been in trouble standing right now." Because <laughs> that's just the way it is, and everybody being like, "Okay, that's that's cool, that's that's fine," because this is our city, and we know you, and we're not going to be mean about that. Mm. Um, and I think, to be fair, with you know, I'm not the only one. Pretty much anyone in Birmingham, even uh, poet laureate Casey, like our boy Casey Bailey, at um, <laughs> Al, Jasmine Gardosi, at Al, some like serious, serious names coming out of the scene. They've gone international now. That like they wouldn't, they wouldn't be, they wouldn't be where they are without Leon. But um, he was kind of an outlier in mm. the sense that like keeping those doors open um, and creating spaces for people. Because it's very easy to say, not very easy to do. Um, I used to run a night um, that um, the, the pandemic shut down that I'm hoping to bring back um, called Words, um, which was basically notable for two things in the format. One, it was invitation only, so it was in an open mic. Two, the rules had said that you had to have at least one piece that was unfinished and you had to open with somebody else's poem. Mm. You had to open with the cover because nobody else was doing that. We kind of became like known for it in a weird way. And it was just the fact that like we're, we're poets. What yeah. we do is we share poems, right? So the practice of sharing poems is having stuff that's not quite ready yet mm. and, you know, vibing off of something that you've just picked up in a book or you heard somewhere else that somebody else is to give credit and share it on the mic because not mm. everybody can be there and not everybody can hold the space. Um, but the difficulty of kind of finding a space that we could actually do that in, just, I mean, and this is just access to the mic. I ain't even got to access to the building because that was a whole different yeah. other kind of fish. Good to hear like, your thoughts on that as well in terms of access generally to buildings. Um, like I said, yeah. Whole scene built on upstairs pub back rooms. You try getting up there with with a wheelchair or, or, or set of crutches. I've been booked for gigs before where I literally can't get to the stage. Step free access, my ass. Mm. Like, <laughs> and but, but what do you do? What, mm. what do you do when it is your at least part of your? You know, maybe not the bread, but it's the butter. You know, like 
sorry, I can't, yeah. I can't take this commission. I can't do this, this gig that you, you know, I'm going to invoice you for because you haven't made it so I can get on the stage. Yeah, seems like a weird flex, but you realise that actually, nah. Like if the blooming ballet had turned up and they'd left all of the furniture from the last show on the stage, um, you know, it wouldn't have been, uh, you know, yeah. the, the performers wouldn't be happy with that. So why should you as a poet be happy with, um, you know, being unable to do your thing, being unable mm. to share the space? I don't know, that's just, this is me being quite polite with the frustrations of it all. <laughs> Yeah. No, it it's it's important. I feel like, uh, generally, do you feel like you your your needs are respected? Like, if if it, if it in it, at the point of being booked for a gig, do you find that um, if you do speak about some of your needs um, in the lead up to the show, do you feel like that's taken into consideration? And and the people that book you for these shows are taking you seriously in regards to access and how it and how it how it how in order to ensure that it runs smoothly and also respecting your own needs, like how have you found your, what was your, what's been your experience of that? Personally, it's gotten better. Yeah. Much better as time's gone on. Like I said, like the, the joy in a weird way for me is that like I'm very much in and part of the scene in the city. So therefore I can stand my foot. <laughs> <laughs> make, those, make those changes and uh, so often it hasn't much you know not much is needed like um, for instance like Stuart runs Verve um, Verve Poetry Festival which is again it's like coming back and coming back strong um, after after a brief hiatus over the pandemic and they've always been awesome they've yeah. always been really really awesome because it's built from the ground up it used to be like in a um like Verve used to run its events in the in the upper floors of a, a Waterstones, and even when that was the case, it was making sure that there's access, making sure that it was set the room was set up in a way that people could get up and down the aisles, that the lifts were on and accessible, and all of this stuff, because that's just the way that it worked mm. back then. It's a little bit different when other people kind of come to take spaces, mm. take over spaces. You find that oh, the way that it's done here because enough of us are kind of going, no, this needs to be considered. No, no, this isn't going to fly. That like, that's actually quite limited to our bit of the scene. Like I've, you know, not unpleasant gigs elsewhere, but gigs elsewhere, it's just like, it really is like, oh, so um, are you going to be all right getting to the stage? I'm like, why are you asking me this now? After I've taken Mm -hmm. three hours worth of train you know, mm. <laughs> and it's seven o'clock at night. It's yeah. a bit late, and I'm about to go on in twenty minutes. Going, oh, by the way, it's up four flights of stairs. You're going to be alright with that. Mental. Like, it's, and I don't think people mean to, but you can kind of. I'm trying to find a polite way of saying it. My fam, don't be polite, dog. Do your thing. <laughs> don't be polite. I ain't trying to be polite. Producer that, you want them to be polite? Producer that, I don't want you to be polite. Just say what's in your... Do you know what I mean? Just like... All right, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you how I really feel. People in general have a real issue of perceiving anything outside of their own experience. It's why we have a job. It's why we do what we do, right? 
our job is to force people to consider other perspectives other than their own. And that can sometimes be difficult and that can sometimes be uncomfortable and that can sometimes, that is all, nearly always artistically viable. So we should always keep doing it. But it's hard work. And it's even harder work when you're up there about to share something that's going to change the way that they see the world and you realize that they haven't even considered the way that you're going to get on the stage to do that. It can grind your gears just a little bit. <laughs> just a tiny little bit. <laughs> If you want for cuss. Um, <laughs> sorry. No, but that's real. That's truth. It's truth, man. Yeah, it's truth. It's truth. Anything, anything off the back of that reality, you're just like, you're just like, yeah, it's this, that's that. It, it's just that. It's, it's just that. You're right. Um, yeah, no, no, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, you know, it is, I feel like, yeah, it's it's important, man. And and I feel like, why are you being polite about it? Why are you still trying to be polite about your situation if this is how you passionately feel about something? Then that's just how you feel about it. And you're more than entitled for that as well, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Reality, when you're ready. Okay. Uh, this is Gentle Giant. People would never believe... The abuse I receive, I'm six foot five, solidly set, my stature is wide. Because of this, I'm often tested, but I remain calm and collected, refusing to take the bait. It's better for them and my sake. Though there's the place I can't hide from attacks, I constantly have to watch my back, along with my words, as most of what I say gets twisted and blurred. I just want a peaceful life, one that's free from trouble and strife. But I'm sucked in like a magnet, constantly telling myself I can handle it. The love I have is also pure. I wish I had the antidote or the cure to make my situation change. It's causing mental and physical pain. I don't react and manage best I can. But under the surface, I feel less of a man. Shame doesn't allow me to tell. Full of scratches and bruises, I silently yell. I can't get a grip on what's going on. Today I was kicked and my clothes were torn. Domestic violence is such a vile act. You hear countless cases of women being attacked. But nobody seems to talk about it happening to men. Women are violent too. She stabbed me with a pen. I've been living with her outburst for many years. The dysfunction in my house has left me in tears. I can't believe I'm saying it. I'm in an abusive relationship. Saying it out loud, being true to myself, has given me the courage to share it with someone else. I confided in my brother, also a friend. They gave me leaflets on counselling. It's been time well spent. I learned of other men who were DV victims. This gave me clarity on my isolated thinking. Now I was open for healing to take place, gaining back my confidence at a healthy pace. I wasted so much time wondering how I would be judged. Instead, I got support and plenty of love. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. Um, it's, and the thing is, I even think I consider 
the 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 theatrical sides of your work reality as well in terms of like how that gets to the stage. So normally for 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 the listeners, a lot of realities work for the most part. It'll be actors that would have memorized that work and would have would have put that on stage in terms of drama. So then it's almost like we're looking at this poetic theatre in, in, in such a way that there's a grander story to it. I appreciate it and I appreciate both of your time um, today. Um, what's in your shelf? What's in your shelf? What is on your shelf? Um, and I know reality, you're like, yeah, yeah, reading that, yeah, yeah, don't come to me that. However, I'm going to switch it. I'm like, rather than what's on your shelf, it's almost like what, what, um, what's caught your attention so far? Could be a film, could be a song. Um, so you, you think on that one for a bit. Um, Adrian, what's in your shelf at the moment? What is kind of, what is something that you've, that you're reading or something that is like you're intrigued by at the moment? I have like a really short attention span when it comes to reading. I love reading. I love reading. Mm. I have a very, very short attention span. So I read like four books at once. Um, because I'll be like, oh. cool, that's enough of this. I want to read something. <laughs> yeah, even, I, even, bro, even, even I had a moment, I was just like, whoa, God, God, where? How are you finding that time? That's insane. Uh, how are you pocketing all of that as well? Is it, yeah, but yeah, yeah, go on, go for it. So, um, uh, Gabriel Garcia Marquez, 100 Years of Solitude, currently at the moment, just mm. because um, someone I know had the thought like oh, I'm watching a lot of Disney at the moment yeah. got the little one and it's good to put on in the background <laughs> nothing I have to worry about oh welcome 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 yeah welcome. I mean welcome, welcome so I'm like welcome. I'll give I'll give this Encanto a vibe oh yeah man you yeah, talk about Bruno you yeah, chat yeah. about Bruno do you know what I mean exactly. this is it this is it and I was I was, I was texting, I was texting my mate Kibbs about it and um Kips was like, oh yeah, Encanto is great. It's just like a 100 years of solitude, but make it Disney. And I'm like, who does that? Like, who, what? You know, she's right, you know. <laughs> it, is, it legitimately is. Like, the whole, like, set in, like, South America and, like, weird magical stuff that oh my is explaining God. and, like, they all live in this kind of village and everybody's got powers and stuff. And it's, like, it's vibes. It's absolutely vibes. But nobody's explained this to me. So 100 Years of Solitude has been one of those things on the shelf. I'm like, it's like War and Peace. You, you talk, you, you, you don't read it. Yeah. You, you talk about it if you, as if you had. Yeah. Oh, for real. Like, I'll check it out. I'll check it out. And it's actually really, really good. It's really, really, really good. There it goes. He's putting full on adult <laughs> on, on Encanto in terms of like, if folks are not so keen on Encanto, just go right to this book. This <laughs> yes. is what's going to happen. Go Done. in, go in. And and, and, and 100%, 100%, 100% watch Encanto. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's some, there's a vibe that's going on in like the new kids stuff where it's like, they're fully aware that they're adults. Oh, yeah, 100%. They've been known from Toy Story that the adults are watching this as well, man. They know, they know. They know for sure that adults are watching this as well. Some of them innuendos in there, but I'm just like, you lot think you're smart, ain't it? This is it. This is it. This is it. Child, don't get me started. Um, reality, what is, what is in the space? What are you watching? What are you connecting with? What is, what is, um, what's caught your attention lately? Uh... Well, like as in programs, programs, yeah. programs, book, anything. Like what? What is? What yeah, is? Well, the books. Yeah, that's. I swear, I'm frightened. I'm just like, um, what is? What is? <laughs> what's in a blue blue? Um. So what have I been watching? I don't know. Um, I've been catching up on Ozark. 
Ozark, I'm having too much about Ozark. Oh, I hadn't even started yeah, Ozark. It's so good. Yeah, yeah, you just got you got the deep voice out of Adrian right there, boy. This must be something else. Something to- I heard the most about Ozark. I've I've not watched a single episode of Ozark, but I hear everything about it. Everything about it, like as yeah. in like watch it like yesterday, watch it. Yeah, the new season had started a little while, but I, I hadn't watched any of them, so I was yeah, kind of yeah, you know, just catching up on that. So I think that's probably the latest thing that you just engaged with. Yeah, engage with, and then I've just been that piece, Gentle Giant, is from a collection of um, yeah poetry that I've been working on that are all written from a male perspective. Which came, which was weird actually, because um, <laughs> it wasn't something I planned to do, but it was something that came from sketching. Um, yeah, as you know, like yeah, I'm working on some sketches and stuff. Real, real quick before before we round up, do you mind talking about just the sketches and um, and and the clothes, like really, really quick. Again, it's just like an extension of literature in terms of how yeah. just these different <laughs> mediums and how it works, you know? Yeah, so um, I'm um, working on a, um, a small collection of menswear. Um, uh, the brand is Zephyr Ashley. Um, what the stuff that you can see around this is not actually menswear, but during the first lockdown, um, this is what I did. I started to create um, women's suits and coats and stuff. So that's basically what you see stuck around my wall because I was just putting them up on the wall as I was doing them. <laughs> um, but yeah, with the brand, that's Seth and Ashley. So it's footwear and um, menswear, mm. high-end high end menswear. Um, so that's like coats, tops and bottoms, um, footwear, um, high tops and, you know, low tops. And um, yeah, so that's kind of what my time has been spent between and then also incorporating words within, you know, the um, footwear and the clothing and stuff. Like the footwear is, um, I've got ZA um, Blaze and ZA Storm, which is surpassed, um, 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 let's see what I mean, there we go, I've forgotten. <laughs> But um, STORM actually is an acronym, so it, it represents, you know, so I've used like words within my garments mm. and stuff and, you know, all the clothes are tagged with solage, which mm. is succeeding obstacles, living in dreams. I remembered mm. that one, <laughs> you mm. know. So, um, yeah, so it's kind of tied in with the work and it was one day sketching that I came up in what lies beneath the well-dressed man. Mm. And then um, I started to create, these pieces of work of different characteristics and situations that people are going through that we pass day to day, but we don't know, you know, we don't know anything about their lives. Mm. Who they are really what they're doing. Or some people, you know them, but you don't really know them, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So um, this is how this collection came along. It was via the clothing. Yeah. Um, and it kind of, yeah, spilled out into words. And um, just, yeah, just that thought of, yeah, you know, what is the different situations, circumstances of individual males? I am um, I look forward to to reading to reading the collect both of your collections when it's ready, when it's good to go, when when we're ready to rock and roll. Um for now though, I'm just very thankful for both of you just joining in this conversation and being very open and transparent. 
um, not only to each other, because I believe this is the first time we're both kind of in conversation with each other. Yeah. And and the similarities, however, however, at the opposite ends of the spectrum we both are in terms of just like where you are with like either geekness or just rawness and how somewhere, how you meet in between. Um, but I think what, what comes as a result of it, irrespective of your views and how you enter literature, is still something that's genuine to the individual. And I think there's something, there's, there's, there's something genuine and a passion that you both share and where you both meet in terms of some of your own needs as well and how the scene to a certain degree and just the world should take into consideration in terms of like the greater needs that that's just not about themselves, you know, and I'm very, 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 very appreciative that, that we're able to speak about that um today thank you very much and thank you for your for your time it's it's dope man it's, it's all all tech and stuff do you know what i mean it's been all like all the tech i just I just I look forward to when we could just have this this conversation in greater detail do you know what i mean and i and i look forward to just reading your work and just taking it a step further thank you very 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 much Whoa! awesome source <laughs> wicked Thank you for listening to Apples and Snakes, the podcast. I've been your host, Yomi Shode, and I hope you've enjoyed today's deep dive into the lives of black British poets and creatives. Big ups to audio producer Drew Hawley at the Lab Studios. If you want to find out more about Apples and Snakes, head over to www.applesandsnakes.org and follow Apples and Snakes on all social media channels. And remember, if you like what you're hearing, please 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 subscribe wherever you would usually listen to your podcast and rate us and leave a review on apple Podcasts.